um, 136th, actually, given the Paschkarva, and we will read this together. Psalm 136. This psalm speaks of God's acts of love and mercy and power. In a very brief way, of course, but it was enough for the people of Israel to remember some of the main things that the Lord did for them that only He did. When we look at our lives, we know it's only by His great hand that we are where we are. In every aspect, who could do these things but the Lord? Who could prosper us? Who could, first of all, give us life and preserve us during widespread death and disease? Who can do it? but the living God alone. Hallelujah. There's no such thing as good luck. But there's such a thing as God's blessings and favor. And His children are promised. Lord led me, (coughs) pardon me, yesterday once again to consider the word from Psalm 84, before we read Psalm 136. Psalm 84, whenever we have any doubt that the enemy might bring something to our minds, whether such and such a thing will happen, whether we're having too much hope in some miracle or some change that we're looking for, is it too much and should we wait longer and perhaps we should divert ourselves to something more concrete and immediate and tangible. You must remember the Word of God says in Psalm 84:11, No good, nothing good will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Whatever we can qualify as good, what God sees as good, namely salvation and deliverance and healing, restoration, new hope, new joy, God says all of it belongs to us in Christ Jesus. It's such a tremendous, tremendous blessing to have God as our Father. On this day, (coughs) pardon me, (coughs) on a day when I believe it was under the administration of President Lincoln many years ago, that the holiday that had a lot to do with the pilgrims became uh, more officially and widely recognized as a day to give thanks to what they called providence or the sovereign God. And people of all kinds coming into the melting pot of the United States from all over the world we understand the customs of this world, of this uh, country, and we begin to partake in these things. But for us, us as believers, has high significance because whatever the nation decides to do, to think about Turkey, think about a parade, think about mashed potatoes and stuffing and all those things. Whatever the nation decides to do, to think about football, think about when the Black Friday deal is going to begin, actually. All that is actually emptiness, utter emptiness, has such a tremendous impact on people that even when they are far removed from their families or they are in some situation where they are Um, not able to do the things they used to do or have what they normally would. The mind is on participating in that particular celebration and what's associated with it. As believers, we know one culture that we're about as the Christian culture. We know one reason to celebrate anything, anything at all. 
whether we get something new or we have a plate of food or it's Thanksgiving Day or Christmas or birthday, wedding day, anniversary, whatever it is, we have one overriding significance, and that is it's because of Jesus Christ that we have anything at all. And he's given us more than enough. How shall he who did not spare his own son along with him also give us everything? The Lord knew when Abraham offered Isaac he didn't follow through with the slaying of course but he did offer him and it was a total consecration offering. that if he would be able to give up that which he treasured above everything else, God knew that he had Abraham. There's nothing now between God and Abraham. This is what the Lord did himself. He demonstrated that. If he gives up his one and only son for us, there's nothing between us and God. He'll give everything. We give God thanks today, understanding God has a lot more in store. Our thrill is not food. Our thrill is not a particular weather. Our thrill is not even festivities and busyness and having people around or sitting in front of a television watching reruns. Whatever this world does, drunken in its folly, trying to find happiness, but God cares. And he took some of us from that lifestyle of redundant emptiness, even during the holidays, come to full meaning. Such a love that's unsurpassed from God into our hearts. For that we give thanks. Psalm 136. Let's take turns reading this on this Thanksgiving day, the day to give thanks to the living God not just food, praise be to God for that. Not just shelter, praise be to the Lord for that. And everything we have, mainly for the indescribable gift, the joy unspeakable. God's very heart given to us, Jesus Christ. If we have him, as we heard from Philippians the other day, as Daniel sharing, we know how to be content in whatever state we are in, unlike the world because we have the Lord in our hearts. Psalm 136, 26 verses. Let's listen to how the Lord's honor is recounted here. Someone please read. Um, let's divide this up into three. One through eight. Someone else. Nine through, let's say, um, 17. And then someone else, 18 to 26, please. Thank you, Lord. Psalms 136, um, 1 through 8. Thanksgiving to God for his enduring mercy. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. Praise God. The moon Psalm and stars. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Prashant. Psalms 136, New King James, verse 9 through. Uh, until I said, 
The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his mercy endures forever. And Praise slew... God. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Praise, Praise God. Thank Lord. you. Praise the Lord. Thanks for reading up until, I think, 18. We were dividing it up into three, so maybe Prashant oh, would... Oh, my apologies. No, no problem. Question. No problem. No, you, you did fine. Prashant, if you'd like to read the rest of it. Praise God. Uh, Psalm 136, NKJV versions, verses 18 through 26. And slew famous king for his mercy endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his mercy endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever. Who remembered us in our lowly state? for his mercy endures forever, and rescued us from our enemies, for his mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all flesh, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. Praise God. Praise be to the Lord. Look at this psalm. We're actually going to reference something from the Gospels, from Luke 7. But before we go there, we see that the, the great and mighty acts of the Lord, in summary, are recounted. And it begins with God being the real God. It's not one of many gods and a God of our own choosing according to our nationality or our culture or the way we like to worship, this is the God, the only God. And he's good. And we ought to give him thanks. Men, meaning men and women, the human race, were unthankful. That's one of the gross sins that God has an issue with. Because in Matthew 5 it says, He sends the sunshine and the rain on both the evil and the good, the just and the unjust. They receive, we all receive, of his mercy every single day. We especially remember our lives when we didn't know the Lord. He still had pity upon us. He could have. He has the power actually to do a lot of harm to people who don't belong to his family. He can make them miserable and keep on doing that. He's not a God like that. He's a Lord who allows us to face certain things because he loves us. He wants to bring us to himself. He's so beautiful. There's no one like God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. The whole thing is about his mercy. When he steps up to defend his children, and he slew these famous kings, things that were against us, demonic strongholds, when the devil wanted to destroy our lives, God stepped up to defend us. He made us escape death. He loved us, and he still loves us. We give God thanks for that. Oh, such a fear comes upon us. It's a holy, sobering, good fear that we're in the presence of Almighty God. You know, when we gather together, we have a meal together, especially something like Thanksgiving, 
it's good to meditate before we ever get to the table. Individual family members. My father used to do that. Whatever he knew, to the degree he knew, he tried to be faithful. He didn't know a whole lot, but he knew one thing. When we came together as a family to celebrate anything, he taught us how to fear the Lord. And the first thing I remember he'd always pray is, God, thank you for drawing us by your Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we wouldn't come to you. And then he would show the best he could to reverence God and teach us that each of us should think about God. And I can think of at least four occasions throughout the course of a year <clears throat> when we, each of us in our families, all of us believers in this uh, household of faith here, can recount God's hand in our lives. One is the new year, of course, going into the new year, really reflecting on the past year, what the Lord has done for us, what great things he's done for us. Another time would be, uh, such as today, Thanksgiving. The very name of it evokes gratitude. And whereas people have gratitude for uh, some kind of fate, good luck, and thankful to family, and thankful for this and that, and the believer knows it's all from the Lord's hands. We don't deserve anything good from him, but he loves us. And that's why we're here. We reflect. It's a good day to reflect. Up until this November 25th of 2021, all year long, God has provided. We have eaten. We have been clothed. We have been fed. We've been sheltered. We've been taken care of. And most of all, God has given us his manna continually. He knows how to take care of his own. He's a faithful God. He's always on time. Another occasion is on one's birthday. And we have taught our children that. You really stop everything and just get quiet by yourself, you and God. Teach children to do that. Adults must do that. Because without God, we would not be alive to see any birthday. Reflect on it. Give thanks to the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you, first of all, for making me. You have a purpose for my life. I'm valuable to you. Even when many times perhaps people told me I wasn't valuable, quite the opposite, or I might have felt that myself, and the devil just brought all kinds of condemnation. But here's a birthday, a milestone, another year that the Lord has given me life and an opportunity to get closer to him and serve him. Three occasions and the fourth maybe an anniversary. At least four times in the year when we get along with God or with our loved ones subsequently to really, really pour out our hearts in gratitude to the living God. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, and so God's mercy is remembered here. And verse 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the God of gods with a small g, meaning whatever so-called gods people have, they're not real. You can see that very obviously when people have statues and people have little objects and they call it gods. How can the created item be a god? And even to have a representation and to bow down to it doesn't make sense. But there are people who believe in invisible gods and forces and all kinds of things. But we know the living God is a God who is a person. He's a personal God. Hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one. It says in Deuteronomy 6. Oh, give thanks to who? The God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. He's the supreme one. There's nobody else. And both times it says, for his mercy endures forever. And this is a refrain carried out throughout this psalm. People would call it a literary device. The Bible is not meant to appeal to people's um, 
literary tastes per se or to neatly compartmentalize things. It's possible to organize the chapters and certain parts of the scripture for our own comprehension to a degree, but really every word is inspired by the Holy Spirit and God is driving a point home. He is good. He is good. For his mercy endures forever. And a right response always to give thanks to the Lord. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. <clears throat> to him who by wisdom made the heavens. That great wonders means miracles. He's a miraculous God. Only he can do miracles. To him who by wisdom made the heavens. We have uh, descriptions more detailed in Isaiah and in the Psalms and elsewhere how God is the master architect. He laid the beams of the earth in the waters. He measures the span of the universe. He's all wise, perfectly wise. To him who by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters. You can see more of it in Psalm 104. For his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights. For his mercy endures forever. The earth is dwarfed compared to the sun. God made that huge sun and many, many, many celestial bodies many times bigger than the sun. Recently, very recently, it's been reported scientists found water and what they've discovered was the end of the known universe. God only knows how many light years away. But just recently, they've discovered some kind of water And yet, what did they do? What have they taught? Only the earth has such and such and some other heavenly bodies may have water, but you don't find it floating anywhere. And How can it be at the end of the known universe? When we look at the Genesis record, we see that God called for separation of the waters underneath the sky or the dome or the expanse to the waters that are above. There are many things, so many things we don't know about creation. God is so wonderful. What he has revealed to us, absolute truth. And whenever Scientists who don't know the Lord try to neatly package their ideas and theories as fact. They always come up proven foolish as they discover something else that they didn't know before. Praise God, we're not called to scratch our heads and keep on thinking and try to discover how everything works and how we can get more knowledge. With the kind of knowledge we need, every human being, the intimate knowledge that we need God, He's our everything. He gives meaning to us. He gives life. And He's the love we're seeking. To Him who made great lights for His mercy endures forever, the sun to rule by day for His mercy endures forever, the moon and stars to rule by night for his mercy endures forever. How can it be that the stars are placed, millions and billions of them, at just the right place to give just enough light, along with the moon, with the earth's rotation? On any side of the world, human beings have access to the light they need. During the course of the night, The exact pattern it was laid out. Everything. 
The living God did it. It wasn't by chance. And the point here is not so much about discovering creation and the preciseness, but the compassion and the wisdom of God. He cares for us. He loved us so much. He made everything just right so that we can not only survive, but be fully blessed. He thought about us. To him who struck Egypt, now there's a transition from his supremacy as the God, the Almighty God, to the wisdom that he manifested in the way he designed the universe, in the provision, because of the mercy or that has said his love for us. It's all about love. He's not a cold, distant, cosmic God that just winds up something like the deists believe. And, and even if he's involved, just a nine to five for him. No, he's a God of compassion. In the Epistle of John, it says, God is love. In verse 10, it talks about how he defends his children who are oppressed in this place that the devil tried to destroy them. The Lord struck Egypt in their firstborn. They have so many demon gods there, so-called goddesses and every time God showed he's the living God these people trust in demons basically I'm going to show them the inevitable result of people who trust in false gods is always oppression murder and devaluation of human life always it doesn't have to be just some uh, Nazi socialism or fascism. <clears throat> Ultimately, any religion that is false, anything apart from knowing the living God will lead to perversion. Just look at the so-called religions with their temple prostitution, all these things that go on in the name of religion. God came to put a stop to that destruction by destroying the enemy because they wouldn't stop. The devil's not happy with some corner of the universe. He wants to overthrow God. And so he will try to pervert everything in the universe. His main concern is with God's highest creation, mankind. If he can mar God's highest creation, mankind, made in his very image, and it's a blow to God. And so he constantly works to try to defile people, make them waste their lives, their bodies, destroy each other, and run after things like chasing after the wind to waste a lifetime in the gift of life God has given. And the devil was manifest in Egypt in a big way. Because he had been hearing the prophecies through Abraham, through Jacob, God gave. God is going to send someone through Israel. He tried to just beat them and dehumanize them and destroy them. So God stepped in. Notice it says, when he struck Egypt in their firstborn, it's because he loved seems to be contradictory not for the believer who reads properly God stepped up and struck the firstborn of the bully who was bullying his children because he loves his children and brought out Israel from among them for his mercy endures forever hallelujah how many times did God deliver you from a bully from people who the devil is using to harass and oppress you. You didn't do anything wrong. Everywhere you turn, they want trouble and mischief for you. Many, many different areas. The devil harassed each one of us and he tries to continually, but God is always there to defend us. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, his mercy endures forever. 
Every act that God does comes from a heart of love. Every act. No wonder Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. A Christian simply means of Christ. Or one who follows Christ. We see God's revelation of himself is love. All powerful, all wise, but it's all love also. Those children take on their characteristic. And anyone who calls himself or herself a Christian does not have this agape love. They're misrepresenting God. And made Israel pass through the midst of it once he split the Red Sea. For his mercy endures forever. We remember reading in Exodus 14 that the ground that they went through, once the water was just instantaneously removed from their pathway, it's written they walked on dry ground, not sloggy, muddy, stinking mire, which would be what you'd expect if the water just was moved. Where's the time to dry it? And that too, how many square feet would have had to be dried for these couple of million people to go through on foot. They went on dry ground. Every provision. Isn't God faithful? Isn't he marvelous? Isn't he wonderful? Has he ever made any preparations for you and for me that were inadequate? Has he not thought of everything? That's how compassionate he is. If we just learn to hear him and follow his lead, how everything will be worked out. He thinks of everything. Not only did he make a way for his people to come through smoothly, he made sure the enemy that came after them would be taken care of also. But overthrew Pharaoh, verse 15, and his army in the Red Sea. For his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. We know how he provided manna, quail, water, so many things in the wilderness. He took care of them because he loved them. To him who struck down great kings. What kind of kings? People who are vicious. People who wanted God's children dead. God struck them down for his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings for his mercy endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his mercy endures forever. You can see this on the map. What territory the Amorites occupied and what territory Bashan was marked out on the other side of the Jordan. God was tracing every step of his children. And so he does with us. Do you know the names of some of the enemies that God wiped out from before you? Are you able to remember that and tell him on Thanksgiving? Lord, I had this huge enemy. The devil tried to destroy me with this, Lord. We had so many things this year, Lord. Oh, my God, you stepped up. We took care of it. Thank you, Jesus. It's a day of thanksgiving to the living God. Hallelujah. Things that trouble, you know, for some people... Uh, a problem with their child, maybe an infant, can be a world of trouble. It can just stop them in the tracks. For other people, it may be life and death in another area. Another one, a sudden loss of a job. Finances just upside down all of a sudden. It's tremendous stress. Faithful is the Lord who comes through. He gives grace while we're waiting for the deliverance also. Hallelujah. And gave their land as a heritage for his mercy endures forever. He took what belonged to the heathen, the enemy occupied, and he ripped it out of the hands of the enemy and gave it to his children. 
Because those people would not listen. They're perverting everything. God had to get them out. And he took the spoil and gave it to his children. A heritage to Israel. His servant for his mercy endures forever. Who remembered us. This is a very key verse. Verse 23. We may read the rest of it up until this point and say, well, there's some general talk about creation and God's handiwork and that. I know about that. I know about some of these things he did for Israel. And I'm trying to apply it. Verse 23 speaks very directly. Who remembered us in our lowly state. His mercy endures forever. Our lowly state. Beware, believer, of ever coming to the table to celebrate or eat any pride whatsoever. God is against pride. And he opposes the proud. He hates pride and arrogancy. Evil ways, speech that's contemptible like that. He stands against anyone who's proud. He stands against anyone who's ungrateful. God teaches us to be merciful. But also, God teaches us trust Him, be thankful to Him. God wants us to always remember that He remembered us in our lowly state. As we know from the world, when you have money, people love you. When you don't have money, all of a sudden something strange happens. People don't want to know you. When you look a certain way, people love you. When you lose those looks, all of a sudden people don't want to know you. It's a strange phenomenon. Phenomenon, I should say. That's the way it is, but not with God. He's a God, when nobody loves you, He will come and show you His love. Hallelujah. When other families are looking at you, saying, what's your problem? Because you have so many problems. God will not come to condemn, but He'll come to show us the way out. Because He loves His messengers forever. Verse 23 is key. We're in Psalm 136 on this Thanksgiving day. Giving thanks to the Lord for His mercy endures forever. It's important for me. Always important for me. I know it. Always important for you. But we need to be reminded because we can forget. I bought the stuffing. Got the mashed potatoes. Got this and that and other things. Whatever is needed for the celebration. Most families. Doesn't have to be, but that's what people do. And praise be to God. We can have those things. Much of the world doesn't have even a portion of that. We're still blessed. But if I come to the table greedy to eat, if I'm caught up with the scents and the people and the placemats and the plates and all these things, and in my heart of hearts, as a, if you're a, a wife or a mother or a father, a child. If we don't remember, who remembered us in our lowly state? We will never be thankful like we should be before the living God. Because only because of Him are we alive. Only because of Jesus Christ. Only because He loves us. Because of His mighty power. It's only because of His mercy that we're able to eat. Only because of His goodness that we're able to digest what we eat. So many things God does for us that if one of those things are taken away, it's like the whole chain stops. There's a person that has the money to buy the food, but they cannot eat it. They cannot eat it. There's another person who can eat, but they don't have the money to buy the food. They don't have food. There's another one that has the money to buy the food and they buy the food and they eat. 
but they're so emotionally distraught and so many problems and fear and anxiety and guilt and condemnation and shame that they can't enjoy it. God has been so good to us. Even when we go through things, He's able to fill us with His mercy. You have an underlined or highlighted verse 23. I'd encourage you to do that. Psalm 136, 23. Remember. Who remembered us in our lowly state because He loves us. And, verse 24, rescued us from our enemies. His mercy endures forever. What enemies? We mentioned that. It can be something to cause death. It can be disease. It can be financial loss. It can be difficulties in the families. It can be the devil coming and harassing someone in the night. There are people who have seen demons and they cannot sleep. So many things that we can take for granted. It's when we go through something that we understand the value of God's goodness, His mercy. But we don't have to wait for things to happen. We can just read the Word and understand by the Spirit of God so many things God has done for Israel. He's done for me also. And I'm going to thank Him with everything I've got today. He's the reason for the season, not just on Christmas. Every celebration who gives food to all flesh for his mercy endures forever. And the last verse, oh, give thanks. What's my response? I just heard about Israel. I just heard about creation. I just heard about personally how you remembered me in my lowly state. God loved me. God loves me. Therefore, I'm going to give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 7. Verse 36. The kind of understanding that you and I have about God of just how big He is, how good He is, how loving He is, how much He's done for us will better help us to really thank Him, really, really be grateful to Him and give Him the glory due to His name. Luke 7, verse, verses 36 down to 50. Someone would like to read 36 to, um, let's say, 39, 36 to 39, and then someone else from 40 to 50. Luke chapter 7. Let's say the word of God in connection with thanksgiving and gratitude to him. Let me just go here and see if I can unmute. The people are muted. We're forced to do that because of the cost and the destruction that comes on. When you join the call in the mornings, for everyone, if you would kindly just quickly press that mute button. Because if you don't, the noise in the background will interfere. Blessed be God's name. Someone please read from Luke 7, 36 to 39, and someone else 40 to 50. Okay. Praise the Lord. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner amen thank you now this this is a picture actually of every one of us we come to the Lord with sin 
we come to the Lord unable to do anything except to follow Jesus' feet because only he can save us. And the people around, though, they didn't recognize their need for Jesus. On this Thanksgiving Day, as I mentioned in the prayer in the beginning, we give thanks to God first and foremost for something that transcends life and death. Something that transcends riches, family, everything put together. That is God's indescribable gift, Jesus Christ. We give God thanks from the heart. This woman, as we'll read, she recognized just how low she was and who remembered her in her lowly state, Lord Jesus. And she came to express her devotion and worship in a genuine heart of thanksgiving. She couldn't contain herself. She brought the best that she knew. How? To openly display her adoration for the living God, for Jesus Christ. Can someone else please read um, the rest of it up until 50, from 40 to 50? I think Carmel. Did you want to read Carmel? Thank you. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing which, with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she said, Wash, she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has to cease to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this? Who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise God. A lifetime of sin. Everybody knew it. It was notoriously known. And so the people who thought they were better, they found fault with the Lord. Isn't that what happens? It's a sad thing, but even in churches it can happen. People wonder, why should this person get this benefit and everybody else is not given that benefit or they think that person doesn't deserve it and that person just came or whatever we need to be careful that we have a heart like that woman who received the grace notice what the Lord said he said when I came to your house you basically did the bare minimum, but there was no expression of real, genuine love. You were more concerned about your appearance. More concerned about the outward show, that I'm an important guest over here. And uh, everything's going normal. This is the protocol. But this woman came and just upset the whole thing. She wasn't intending to do that. She came out of her need, just like the woman we read about 
yesterday in Mark's Gospel with the issue of blood. She came with one objective. I've got to get to Jesus. I need him desperately. I'm not concerned about what anybody else thinks. I'm coming for Jesus. And she got her deliverance and her need met. And so with this woman, two stories. One we saw with the, uh, I mentioned yesterday, a terminal illness that woman had because she went to many physicians. Not only should she, did she meant, uh, spend everything she had, which was a tremendous stress for sure, but she was not only getting not better, she got worse. She suffered at the hands of the doctors. I mentioned what Esther went through, where we witnessed, where eyewitnesses, horrible suffering. Esther's case was a cross. This woman, she didn't know the Lord, and she had this issue of blood, and she got saved as well. Now, this woman here, she didn't come with a disease of the body, but the bigger disease, the biggest disease a person can have, disease of the soul. But the way she came in was she had faith. This is something we can miss. We can miss it because you read the narrative, you see this is the action she did. She came in, she brought the alabaster flask of fragrant oil. She stood there weeping, began to wash his feet with the tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet. We read the narrative and the Pharisees' response and then the, uh, the parable the Lord told them to open his eyes, hopefully. But then, at the end, the Lord says something, revealing, he said to the woman, your faith has saved. How does he know that she has faith? She came believing that as notorious as I am, so many people know about my lifestyle. They know I'm coming to touch a holy man. I'm coming to touch the Lord. And everybody knows I'm a sinner, but I have faith that my Lord won't turn me away because I'm coming sincerely, broken. I don't want this life anymore. I want a new life, and I think He can give it to me. The Lord can change my life. She had faith. That's a picture of me. It's a picture of you. No question about it. We all have come to Jesus because we didn't want the old life or at least we came to understand that it's just death. It's just existing, not even in limbo. It's a downward descent to hell. We came to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So much is going on in this little drama. Thoughts are being scanned by the Lord Jesus. We want to make sure we're not on that side, the wrong side. Never judge people. Never think that we're better than people with an unrighteous judgment. The question came in the Pharisee's mind that this woman has just walked in here. She's offensive to me. And all of a sudden, my guest is offensive to me too. Because if you were a prophet, why would he have to do this? Questions started coming in. Jesus just said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, teacher, go ahead, please say it. He didn't understand Jesus was scanning his thoughts. He's Almighty God over there, standing in front of him or sitting next to him. Look how gently the Lord firmly drives the point home. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed, let's say, $500, and the other $50. And when they had nothing with which to pay or repay, this creditor had these two people who owed him, and he forgave both of them because they had nothing to pay. He could have thrown him into jail, perhaps, and done something else to them. And the Lord says, well, this is what happened. This is what he did. He just forgave both of the people that owed him money. 
Simon, tell me, which of the two you think will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you're right. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. You didn't honor me. You didn't show me compassion. You just went through the the bare minimum. And she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. The Oriental custom, they would bring water many times, but perhaps under this circumstance, Simon thought it wasn't warranted. We don't know the exact details regarding that, but certainly the Lord said, you didn't even do that much. But she did way beyond what you just did. I'm a guest at your house. She came from the street. She washed my feet with her tears. Not water. Her tears are coming from her heart. Furthermore, she wiped my feet with the hair of her head. This hair that we know from the New Testament that the Apostle Paul writes, is given as a glory for the woman. She took her glory and she wiped the feet of the Lord Jesus. How much she honored the Lord already. You gave me no kiss, another oriental custom. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. It's just uh, such a height of expression that the Lord is capturing here in conveying to us the depth of love this woman had for him. That's what he's saying, step by step. It's just overwhelming when you read it line by line and really understand it. And he doesn't stop. He says, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. You have all of these things available, Simon. Did you do any of it? Nothing. You're here judging her? You didn't anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. It was expensive. She came in. She took that alabaster flask of fragrant oil. She expended her tears and this expensive perfume, this oil, fragrant oil. This symbolizes the total person. The tears are coming from a deep, broken heart and she has the broken bottle of the expensive perfume. She came with a total worship to the living God. She took a chance. She came into the house, obviously uninvited. But she went straight to the Lord. The point today on Thanksgiving is, especially, is as the Lord concludes here, she understood the depth to which the Lord loved her. She had faith. I know my Lord is going to forgive me. He's going to receive my love, my worship, my entire day, my whole life, my destiny is going to be altered. I'm getting to Him today. I'm coming to Him. The Lord did just that. The Lord conveys to Simon, He says, Therefore I say to you, our sins which are many, are forgiven for she loved much. In other words, she was broken. As the Bible says, a broken and contrite heart, you will not despise the Lord. He'll receive that person. But a person who's proud or thinks, you know what, I have money in the bank, I have this food. It's my stuff. I'm putting food on the table for you. We can't do a single thing apart from the grace of God. Pride is something that has to be destroyed. Otherwise, it will destroy us. This woman was the opposite of the Pharisee. 
She was so broken. But the brokenness came with the faith, a strong, fervent, fierce devotion to Jesus. And when she came in such a way, tremendous humility, the Lord said, even though she's, quote-unquote, a notorious sinner, as if you're not a sinner, Pharisee and other people, I know your hearts. I'm forgiving her on the spot. And to show that I've forgiven everything, <clears throat> to show that she's received it, she has displayed this magnitude of love publicly to honor me. There's a correspondence there. The person who really is thankful to God and worships Him, utterly bankrupt, knowing they have nothing going for them except God's mercy, but they have faith that God will meet them when they come properly. That person will receive everything from Jesus. So in Thanksgiving, it's not just thankful, being thankful for all that the Lord has done this past year up until this point. As we approach the close of the year, another month or so. But to know that God has a lot more in store. He's a God of no limit. He loves us so much. He's the one that said, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he who has not spared his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not along with him also with him, not give us all things. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. That person doesn't recognize. They think, you know, I'm, I might have done this, I lost my temper there, maybe I spoke this way when I shouldn't have, and uh, I might have done this and that. I'm not a bad person. I'm not so bad. That person will never get cured of that disease. Pride. Sin. The person recognizes, I can't say a word before the Lord. Nothing. Because the closer I get to Him, the more I understand Him, the more I see. I'm absolutely no good. No good. Compared to His holiness. I need His blood. I need His forgiveness. And when I recognize how much He's loved me and forgiven me of... And my worship will be spontaneous and there will be a fear of God and a reverence for Him and a passion to honor Him with everything I've got, with my heart and my hands. All such love. Then He said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with Him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then He said to the woman, Your faith is saved. You notice it's not just uh, uh, an escape or freedom from the penalty of the catalog of sins that she had. But he took away the body of sin, the offense that's against heaven, against God. He gave her new life. Literally gave her salvation. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Going back to what we said at the beginning as we close this morning. We thank God for His indescribable gift. We have Jesus today. If we had nothing else today, we understand, like this woman, she understood, and that's why the Lord recorded this here. We have Jesus. We actually should be the most content people on the face of the planet. Because we have eternal life within our bodies, within our souls. And we have a Father, as we saw in Psalm 136, who will take good care of us. Even through the trials, even through the waiting period, even when it looks like we don't have anything or much going for us. Because He is a good God, He won't keep us waiting forever. He's training us. He's changing us. So He can use us for His glory. We give God thanks today 
saving our souls from our own sins saving ourselves from ourselves our own destructive habits for saving us from going to hell for giving us another chance and another chance and another chance to breathe today to be able to say God I love you I thank you on this Thanksgiving the first thing the biggest thing Lord I thank you for is not even my physical life first but for the spiritual life I have in you that I know when I leave this world I'll go to be with you forever because of your blood that was shed for me on the cross and secondly thank God we thank God for the physical life today to glorify him and enjoy all that we have to the degree that we can enjoy it you have to glorify God and be responsible to convey to everyone around us the reason for this celebration is the Lord Jesus Christ and enjoy his goodness have a good time in his presence share the love be humble forgiving and giving blessed be the name of the lord shall we pray in fact i'd like to have maybe three of you if you'd like to pray and give god thanks today you can go ahead <clears throat>